Welcome to Remain. We're Arn and Trina. This one is for the weary, those still in the middle of their story of marriage, ministry, or chronic illness. This is a call to remain. And so, welcome. Yes, we're back. Sorry we missed last week. I think it was just one of those weeks. Well, we were camping, right? Yes. Um, we were camping, we got back, we were so exhausted, and we were actually doing a mini trip again a, a day after getting back. So we needed to take a little break. But speaking of taking a break, we have an update about our vegetable garden. Do we not? <laughs> you like how I transitioned there? Loved it. Yes, we have vegetables that are growing, which is super exciting. I've been eating these amazing tiny little um, organic cherry tomatoes, which is making me super happy. For some reason, um, everyone is saving them for me. <laughs> and I keep telling everyone else in the family to eat them. But uh, from my husband to my mother-in-law, they're all just like, no, no, you eat them. So they're amazing. But there's been other stuff growing too, like... There's an eggplant growing, a Japanese eggplant. There's a ton of little um, squashes growing. Red, sorry, not red squash. Yellow squash and um, green squash, which is quite cool. Why are you calling it a, a squash? Did you step on it? What, what, if you do step on it, what do you call it then? A squished squash. A squished squash? <laughs> All right. I think a yellow zucchini was it no what was it it's a squash the yellow squash like i said it was a it wasn't a zucchini it was a yellow squash that we cooked at home and it tasted wonderful yeah it was it's pretty cool because i feel like when i've planted things from seed and this is really the first time we've done this so having planted something from seed like this uh yellow squash and then sitting there eating it i'm just like wow this is amazing that all I did, really, all we did was put put the seed into the soil, make sure the soil was healthy as much as we knew how, which we don't know that much. But, you know, I mixed some stuff in there in the soil that was already in the ground and then um, basically watering it uh, three times a week. And it's like God who makes it grow. Right. And it so it feels like this little miracle that I'm eating. I think our vegetable garden is a metaphor. For what? It, marriage is like a vegetable garden. Is it not? Oh, don't even go there. <laughs> you plant it. You plant the seed of love. You d- it dies. Yes, and then the seed dies. <laughs> and then out comes... New life. New life. Kind of. Uh, sorry. <laughs> You're just trying to make it link to this since the topic, uh, the topic today is kind of on um, expectations in marriage, right? But I think um, there are a few reasons why we're talking about marriage. Uh, number one, um, this was the, the, the passage, this was the, the topic that I preached on this uh, earlier this afternoon. Uh, it was on marriage and it was about faithfulness in marriage. Um, but also, um, there are some weddings coming up that's been on our minds. There are, I also noticed that over the last two weeks, I have had some good conversations with, uh, several couples. I, I think off the top of my head, 
um, I connected with five or six different couples who uh, are getting married or who are married who are going through um, various just hard seasons. And, and so um, been thinking and, and just loving them, praying for them, encouraging them. And so we came across um, a quote here that we wanted to read and discuss to kind of keep talking about marriage. You mean a few quotes, right? Yes. 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 Um, but yeah, so like, why are we talking about this? And should you not listen to this episode if you're single? Uh, no, I think if you are single, this is still a good episode to listen to because um, you never know if one day you might be someone who is married. Um, you also can kind of maybe get a little bit more of hopefully an honest glance of what some uh, what marriages could go through. Um, and this kind of like grace and growth and relationship is also not just something that is seen in marriage, but it's hopefully it's meant to be seen in the church, right? The church is meant to be a picture of um, how Jesus loves the church is like a picture. Marriage is a tiny picture of that. And so Christian community should be, <laughs> I know it's not always, but it should be a place where this kind of growth and grace and love is seen. So even if you're single, this is, this is still for you. And I, I think just from these conversations with um, some people, but also just discussions we're having at home um, between the two of us, it's it's interesting. You know, we we you know we assume that because we're married and we're Christians, that this should be easy. This should be simple. Uh, we have received the love of Jesus, and so we're meant to and called to share that love with with our spouse. And so there's this assumption that this should come. A lot easier, just as there's this assumption that the Christian life should be easy uh, because Jesus is enough. And yet we realize that marriage can be uh, really hard. It could be very exhausting. And I want you to think about um, a backpack that you are carrying up the hill. And that could be financial stress. That could be relational issues. That could be uh, unemployment. It could be finances. It could be uh, sickness. It could be chronic health issues. It could be emotional things that you're dealing with now all of these things uh, it might seem in some sense that they're external they're outside but they become like extra weight upon your marriage relationship and so there might not be deep conflict between the two of you but as you're trying to carry all of these issues including hard seasons of of ministry or hard seasons of sickness it's it becomes very uh, heavy and exhausting on the marriage relationship. Yeah. So basically, you are hiking up that mountain and you can very easily lose your balance, right? Because there's just a lot. And we, I feel like these last couple of weeks, um, it's been a season where it's things have been a bit difficult for us um, in life. And we kind of this last week noticed like we haven't really even had like, you know, five minutes to really kind of talk away from the kids and in the quiet like I've been exhausted every evening this week so it's just been it's been a struggle and there are seasons like that in marriage and so there's this book uh, that Paul Tripp has written and it's called what did you expect the byline is redeeming the realities of marriage so so um 
Paul Tripp, Redeeming the Reality of Marriage. Um, it was published in 2013. And he says that the reason why he wrote this book was because the majority of couples enter marriage with far different expectations, which 100% I would say is true. Um, you can probably tell that when you talk to people. Uh, if you talk to a guy and a girl who are going to get married, um, you might hear some interesting responses. And he says that these unrealistic expectations can leave them completely unprepared for the day-to-day -day realities of married life. So um, unmet expectations are probably one of the biggest issues um, that many marriages face. In fact, I would recommend um, that dating couples or engaged should consider reading a book like this. Uh, like I've said, you know, you go through many years of schooling to come to a place where you can launch your career. Um, but compared to marriage, that's not as important. I mean, this is one of life's most important decisions. Simply dating and enjoying each other is not enough. You need to work. You need some counseling. You need to work through these expectations before the, you know, the wedding date. And, and so we wanted to read a few quotes and then offer some stories and insight and kind of reflection and um, that'll be it for today so so here here's one quote paul tripp says god is in control not only of the locations in which you live but also of the influences that have shaped you as a person he has not only written the story of you and your spouse and determined that your stories will intersect but he has controlled all the things that have made you different from one another. Again, he's controlled all the things that have made you different. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that those differences can often be an area in marriage where there is strife. Um, I think as we've seen over the years, sometimes in 13 years of marriage, we've seen seasons where our differences have either brought us together or our differences have driven us apart and we've had to work through that and we've seen that in other couples that we've talked to and it could be a difference in upbringing a difference in um, a background your culture it could be a difference in your personality what number you are on the Enneagram um, it could be a difference in kind of where you get your energy if you're an extrovert or an introvert it could just be differences in daily little mannerisms that you have. Um, so I think there can be so many differences. And there are couples that are super different from each other and couples that are more similar to each other. But all these differences, all these nuances um, that make us, you know, make each person unique and who make us who we are, these differences are not surprises before God. I think... That is kind of my takeaway from this quote. Like those differences that we have from our spouse, they are actually designed by God and there is purpose behind them. So just as an example from our marriage, like Aaron and I, I would say one of the areas where we're different is that I'm definitely a bit more of an extrovert and he's a bit more of an introvert. And I think that has, at times it's been a struggle um, but by and large, I feel like that has really helped us to have a more healthy balance. Um, and I think 
I think I've realized I'm not actually as extrovert as I thought I was over time. And I think I've seen Aaron become more of an extrovert than what he was when we first got married. So I think um, we kind of shape and shift in marriage. We There's like a give and take and those differences can kind of work to like make us kind of fuse together or become something different together and not necessarily be like stuck if that makes sense but i think it's not only the differences that you come into marriage with the circumstances that you face even the hard seasons that you face really change you um, as well and we've seen that um, in our life as well Uh, he continues with that same idea of god being in control and he says as you struggle you must not view your marriage as bad luck or poor planning or as a mess that you made for yourself. God is right smack dab in the middle of your struggle. He is not surprised by what you are facing. He is up to something. The question is, will you participate with him in this or fight against him? So he is up to something. I think that thought is so comforting because it goes back to um, kind of a quote by John Piper that has really ministered to Aaron and I like a billion times over the years. Uh, do you want me to kind of comment on that? Mm-hmm. So the, the quote that we heard was, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life of which you might know three of them. That's it. That that was the the one line by Piper. And I think that maybe is one of the most significant things that he has said for for our story. And this is significant because about uh, seven, eight years ago, uh, we were at camp and I was speaking and you... um, you just turn on your iPad and and there was no internet connection. But for some reason, um, this devotional posting came up. It was actually very weird. Like it was one of those like, okay, God, like what? Because I had um, never opened this this site before on my iPad. Aaron says that he had not opened it. Um, So I have no idea how I opened the iPad and this random... Uh, devotional from a website I'd never logged on to um, popped open as soon as I put in the passcode and I was like what so I just read it and then I was like wow it completely floored me and it was a um, devotional that was based on this quote that the God is doing 10,000 things in your life and you might know three um, and so I read the devotional I was like wow and I was like that is such an amazing quote and I just felt like with where we were at, I mean, I was very sick at that time. I was undiagnosed. I was so weak. And I really felt like God was really comforting me through that message. And you wanted to email it to me, right? Yeah. But you couldn't because the internet wasn't working. Now, fast forward a few days, I was home and I was watching uh, an eight-hour seminar on by John Piper on various doctrinal issues. And at some point, he paused and said some things about suffering. And the comment was so good that I quickly wrote it down. And I knew that later in the afternoon, we were going to go on a family walk. And I was going to share it with you, Trina. And as I was making note of it, 
I got a notification that I received a new email. <laughs> and in that very moment, your email came through. I think maybe you were upstairs and you realized that this didn't send. And so you sent it, you know, it, it didn't send it to camp. And so you realize you sent it to me. So the very same moment that I was reading, reflecting that, that thought on God's working, you sent it to me. And so I was completely surprised. And so when we went walking, I said, okay, I need to tell you something. This is, this is, this is huge here. And that reminder of God's control is exactly what we needed. And in fact, this came up yesterday, or maybe it was this morning. So I decided to pick up um, Pastor John's latest book on providence. And I made a deal with my friend that we're going to read it together. Just maybe 10, 15 yeah, minutes. How many pages is the book? <laughs> okay, it's, it's over 700 pages. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Sorry. You know, we're so because different. Because I would never read a nonfiction 700-page book. Okay, maybe that we should add that to the list of differences. Yes, we should. <laughs> and so I made a deal with my friend that we're going to read just 15 minutes a day and just slowly plow through this. But I noticed that early on in the book, he says something uh, that was similar to what we read seven, eight years ago. And this is what he says in the beginning of the book on Providence. He says, I refer to the ultimate goal of providence because God is always doing 10,000 things in every act of providence. That is an understatement. Each of those 10,000 things is intended, which means that God has millions and millions of goals every hour. He accomplishes all of them. We don't know most of them. And that too is an understatement, says Pastor John. Such a good quote. I think maybe it's interesting that we're talking about expectations and we're also talking about God's sovereignty and God's providence. And I'm seeing like a link between them as we're talking. Almost that in marriage we will have unmet expectations because the ultimate goal is not that our spouse is meant to make us happy, our spouse is meant to fulfill these expectations, but our eyes are meant to first be on Jesus. Jesus is the one who's meant to satisfy our need, fulfill our expectation in that sense, if you know what I mean. And then we can love our spouse, we can serve our spouse, we can be free and not have all these expectations that we're laying on our spouse. Does that make sense? So they kind of go together. So let me let me go back to uh, Paul Tripp. Um, and, and here's another quote from the book. He says, God is working to rescue you from you. <laughs> are, do you have, are you laughing? Do you I'm have something to say? I need to be rescued from myself. No, I can relate to that. I feel like half the problems in our marriage. Wait, half, that doesn't make sense. Half, half problems are my fault. <laughs> that's like all the problems in our marriage are my fault. It, grammatically, that's not <laughs> correct either. <laughs> I think it's very true that I think in our marriages, God is working to rescue me from me, like ourselves from ourselves. Like he is up to something. So rescue you from you to deliver you from sin and to form the character of Jesus in you. Marriage, the world's most long-term and comprehensive relationship, is taking place in the middle of sanctification the world's most important unfinished process. 
Why would God do this? Hasn't he gone the proverbial cart before the proverbial horse? Well, the reason this doesn't seem to make sense to us is that our purpose for marriage tends to be different from the Lord's. We're just not on God's agenda page. End quote. So, so he's pointing out that marriage, this long-term, right, till death to us part, comprehensive, all-consuming, right, exclusive relationship is connected to, is in the middle of this more grand process journey that we're on on sanctification yeah and i think it's really interesting to kind of look at it like this because when it comes to expectations we often as fallen human beings even if we really love someone else we tend to always think what's in it for me how am i being taken care of like how am i being loved instead of how can i just love and give and so God is like working on that. God is working on our selfishness. God is working on our pride. God is working on the way that we tend to put ourselves first. Um, God is kind of like that sanctification process in marriage. It gets more severe. It's funny because I was talking to my, um, to our eldest about this, not about marriage, but he was talking about, um, he was saying something about how it's not fun to see the sins in your life. It's not fun to see the things that you're failing in. And I said to him, hold on a sec, just wait. When you grow up a bit, when you get married, when you have kids one day, Lord willing, I said, you will see how much more all that sin and all that junk in your life. I said, because it's like it being married to someone, it exposes it more. It brings it more to the forefront. You become more aware of it. I said, then you have kids. I said, I said, you need to like put your life down for your kids and like love your kids and put your own comforts aside. I said, it becomes like in a deeper sense, you'll see your shortcomings. I don't know if that makes sense, but. No, it, it makes sense. Um, it's almost like if you want to be more holy, if you want to uh, turn away from sin, if you want to see how um, impatient or selfish you are, then go get married. Uh, because this is a 24-7 accountability partner. And the problem is that we assume that the goal of marriage is to have a f family or to be comfortable, have security. Uh, we assume that the goal is a to get a house, a goldfish, and a picket fence. <laughs> but the goal that we see according to scripture is holiness. And so there's no conflict between our relationship with God. I mean, is that important? Or is it our relationship with our spouse? It's not an either or, it's a both and. Because now when you get married, your goal is to live for Christ, to be holy, uh, to be holy together, to work on this sanctification journey together. And I think um, as we do that, this isn't canceling out that, oh, God just wants you to be holy. He doesn't want you to be happy in marriage. That's not at all what we're saying. So I don't want you to take that away and say, oh, they just think that marriage is about being holy together and we shouldn't be happy at all. <laughs> or that's or that's not important. I think God is so kind um, because when he designs marriage, yes, first and foremost, he designs it for his glory because that's what everything is is first and foremost designed for but i think beyond that like he brings us this relationship in which we can be most kind of fully ourselves 
and learn like about another person and be just really happy as well. Like it's not about, it's not one or the other. It's not, if you get holiness, you're going to be unhappy. Actually, I think, I think the more we get closer to holiness in marriage, the happier we actually will be in our marriages. Yeah. And I think that happiness and the hard seasons can coexist. It's not about, you know, you're happy only when life is comfortable. Uh, again, when you are in the trenches of warfare with your spouse, there is a deep bond that is formed all the more. And so when that battle is over, there is this deep joy that you've you've been sustained, you, you've survived, and you've been able to move forward. And so um, I think as I look back, as you were uh, sharing, I was remembering certain points when you were uh, incredibly sick. And in those moments when you did or when you said something or when I remembered or noticed something about you, there was a, a deep happiness that maybe I hadn't noticed when life was very chipper and happy and, and lighthearted. Uh, it, it's, it's in the fires of suffering that we're able to experience a, a, a joy that this world uh, doesn't know anything about. You're pointing at the screen. Is, it, is there something you want me to read? <laughs> 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 um, no, because we're not really reading from the screen. We have some notes, but it's anyway. But um, I guess kind of just thinking about like this year, especially, um, I don't think just for us, I think for so many couples this year, this last one and a half years, um, circumstances, the stress in life has just been a lot, right? Um, and so I think even like more so, we want marriage to be easy and comfortable. We want life to be simple. Like we were just, um, we had actually gone to a theme park earlier this week um, our sweet friends gifted us tickets um, to go with them. And it was funny, like uh, the husband, he was telling me just how high the like demand for theme parks has just gotten this year, just in the last few weeks with kind of the pandemic kind of calming down a bit where we are and restrictions lifting. He said there's so much like pent up like frustration and people are just dying to like, run to the theme parks do fun things people are like thirsty for like excitement and vacation and adventure and he's like because we missed out so now we're like so i think if we're not careful this year has set us up to want more ease and more comfort than we even demanded or expected before and that's really scary that's like a really dangerous place to be because um God's goal is not our comfort and our ease in our marriages. Um, God wants us to have marriages where we are walking together after him. And that is much easier said than done at times because in real life, you will face stress, you will face busyness, you will face exhaustion, and you can lose sight of God or what God is doing. And it's easy to have like, much more of like a narrow focus and forget that there's more to this, um, that God is in this, that God is at work in this. I, I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier about God working in all situations, right? 10,000 things in every moment of which we know three. And that 
is what kind of grounds us um knowing that even though there are hard seasons of marriage god is still at work um i find it interesting and i made a comment um about this in today's sermon that in the marriage vow the couple is saying in sickness and in health for richer for poorer um and it's almost like they don't realize what they're saying or or they're not aware of what they are committing to uh they are agreeing and taking this oath even though they don't know where the journey is going to take them they are saying yes they are laying the foundation of loyalty and lifelong faithfulness completely oblivious to the hard seasons that are going to come up and so what is going to help and sustain them in those hard seasons are not emotions of love uh, not not the sands of emotion but the bedrock of that wedding vow, of that hardcore uh, oath, that promise, that vow that you are taking before God, family, and friends. And so it's almost like no matter what the expectations are and no matter what the circumstances will be like, you are committing to one another uh, in complete faithfulness, trusting in God who is working in all things so that no matter what issues might come up, what tension or conflict, uh, there is still hope that even though as even as you are trying to be faithful, it is God himself who is faithful more so. And that is what brings you the good news. Yeah, um, I think we're going to there's one last Paul Tripp quote uh, that from his book that we were going to mention. Um, he says there are moments in our marriages when we're crying out for grace, not recognizing that we're getting it. Oh, I can, I feel that. So there are moments in our marriages we're crying out for grace, not recognizing that we're getting it. We're not getting the grace of relief or release because that isn't the grace we really need, right? We think it is. <laughs> no, what we're getting is something we desperately need, the uncomfortable grace, I like that, the uncomfortable grace of personal growth and change with the love of a father the lord is prying open your hands so that you will let go of that which rules your heart but will never satisfy you and so what is it that is ruling your heart what what is it that you are wanting or demanding in marriage or and expecting. you or expecting and you assume you can't live without as you long for God's help, as you pray for grace, know that he is going to help you. Uh, but that might look different than what you're expecting. Because in the end, his desire is that you be sanctified and that you become more and more like Jesus. And marriage is kind of one of the very interesting places that God does that, that God works that in our life. So it's an uncomfortable grace and we are at times struggling with unmet expectations and Jesus can take care of us in the midst of that. He can walk with us through that and marriage can be a good thing and a hard thing at the same time.